One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. The Square Ball Podcast. Welcome to the show. Very special edition of the Square Ball Podcast. Dan with you, as well as Michael and former Legion United physiotherapist for many, many years, four decades worth. Alan Sutton, an absolute pleasure to have you. Thank you for coming in, Alan. Thank you very, very much for the invite. We're here to talk about your book, which is this one. If you're watching the video version of this, it's uh, my journey, Alan Sutton, pavement to Premier League with Leeds United. It's available right now. It certainly is, yes. I haven't read it yet. You've had a little dig through. It's all very good, isn't it? Yes, I mean, I think we've we've been hearing after stories. We've had to we've had to press record on this because we're like, oh, we've got too many, we've got too many stories in already. Well, so let's get into it. Like when you look back at that time, so you joined under Billy Bremner, you left under Dennis Wise, and then you come, you came back again after. I came that. back yeah. again after fifteen months. I came back again uh, mainly at that point. I came back two, three days a week and doing the home games. Uh, that was because I promised my wife. I well, by that time I'm into my sixties, and she said, "Look, you're not going back there yet. Uh, going seven days a week, you know what I mean? Twenty four hours a day, like you were before." And I promised. I said, "No, but uh, I'd love to go back." Did, did she want you out of the house a little bit as well? And she really did. <laughs> we the, the the thing was, we just uh, last July we had a fiftieth wedding anniversary, and someone said to my wife Shirley. How have you put up with him for 50 years? She said, well, I never saw him for 40 years. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go back to the, the the time that everyone kind of remembers you most for, which has been around the Wilkinson era. When you look back on that era now, thinking about the sort of back end of the 80s into the early 90s, how do you think about that? What what memories does it bring back? Well, at the time, you just, uh, and I think Gordon said it really, uh, when he, <clears throat> he did the forward for the book for me, Gordon Strachan, and he said, because I was the only physio for the first seven years I was there, as he said, you just ploughed on with the job. Every day you're looking at ways of getting people fit and getting them over that white line to get uh, going again. But as you, uh, as we've just been saying now, that ref- with reflection, wow, what a special time. You know, time you don't have time to think about it, you just part of it until, as you say, now retired, uh, I'm away from it all. You look back and you realise just how special it was. And I always remember, remember Gary Williams yep. who played? Well, Gary won the European Cup for, with Villa when he was 21. And he said he was too too young. He couldn't appreciate really what, what, the, what he'd done at the time. And I don't think a lot of us uh, who did it then can appreciate, especially how a lot of the players' careers went on from there, because most of them never won another thing after that. And I think it's only reflection, not just me, but I think especially a lot of players, I think really reflection and say, wow, what I really part of that special time at Leeds United. What do you think changed then between the Bremner era when you started and then when Howard came in? I think with Billy, don't get me wrong, anybody will tell you who worked there with Billy Bremner, 
what a special time, honestly. They, it was brilliant, you know. I went to Brendan Hospital just recently, and they were asking, you know, all the old players were there from that time, Shares, Styles were there doing MCN, Snods, everybody were there, and they, all I could talk about was just what a great time it was. But after saying that as well, I think football was changing. You know, Billy were like still from the Rebbe era, where, you know, playing five-a-sides every day, doing this, doing that. And really, to them, it was a shirt. Wearing that shirt, kissing that badge, if you want to say, that had to be everything. And that's what we, we, what, what it was with Billy. And during that time, believe it or not, my first year at uh, Leeds United, we got to semi-final FA Cup. And I thought, wow, this is all right, isn't it? Semi-final. <laughs> and you know, since then, Leeds United have not been back to semi-final since. And, you know, when we played uh, Coventry at Hillsborough. Yeah, I was there. And, of course, they, they got to the playoffs, you know, they just missed out on the playoffs. And and you think, oh, wow, love's what's going to happen now. And he didn't. He just, from there, unfortunately, he just started going down a little bit. But then Howard Wilkinson came in, and I think he was like the new type of thing, what he realised. And I think he had a, a degree in physiology and everything. And he realised that everything was changing. The, the pre-season training, everything, they were murder. I know... Everybody talks about Bielsa's, which I'm sure it was, because I'm sure he improved so many players, and just after speaking one or two other players, I would improve it. But also, I was Wilkinson did the same as well, with a lot of players. I remember talking to Gary McAllister one time, that he said the reason he played till he was 38, 39, same as Gary Speed, Gordon Strachan was the first person to play till 40, 40 years old, and he put it down to all in pre-seasons under Al Wilkinson, that... Uh, got him that fitness that what's maintained with him all the time. You mentioned Chez there. Yeah. Chez not so much up for the pre-season fitness. <laughs> <laughs> I have to laugh. The, uh, when I was doing the book, Chez, honestly, he, what a great player. Don't get me wrong, what a great player. But uh, when you read the book, and I, I wrote about some of the stories, especially during the Billy uh, the, <laughs> the era, but you knew one thing, once our Wilkinson came in, no, no, Shed was a good foot, you know, he, 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 he was into his training, one for another, but he also loved his social life as well. Yeah, so and, yeah, yeah. Uh, you knew that he was never going to be an Howard Wilkinson type player. And I think I think uh, Shed himself, you know, John knew that himself, like, you know, the day Wilkinson arrived, Shed didn't even bother turning in. He was still in bed, <laughs> I think, in Manchester from a weekend from a weekend out, like, you know. But Billy, you see, Billy will want, look, John, if you do the business, It'll just let things slide like, you know, what he needed to. And uh, that was a, a regular thing like, you know. <laughs> but, uh, but don't get me wrong, uh, Shed's great, great player. Proved that he went on a great career with Republic of Ireland and Sheffield Wednesday. You know, he went on to win to League Cup and everything, mm. Sheffield Wednesday and had a great career with them. So it was at times as well, you know, in the 80s. I mean, all you have to do is look at Arsenal football team at that time. Yeah. And they're su- su- successful, but also... Uh, they lived the life as well, like, you know, so it wasn't just uh, Leeds players, like, you know, at that time. Can you remember that sort of first meeting with Howard Wilkinson when he laid out what it is that he wanted to do and, and how did you figure in that as well? Well, even today, 30-odd years later, I'm still scratching my head how I ended up working eight years with Howard Wilkinson because I thought I'd have been one of the first, because I wasn't charged anything, I would have thought I'd have been one of the first people to uh, be shown the door, like Norman did, which I really sad because I, I was working with Norman Hunter at that time as well, and Norman was great to work with, like. And so, yeah, I remember the first meeting. Is uh, He got a morning dressing room, and more or less said, and I think what he also did, what I understand from Mick Hennigan later on, that the Sunday when he left Sheffield Wednesday to go to Leeds, he said to everybody in the backroom staff, anybody who wants to come with me tomorrow, 
to Leeds United, you show up at lunchtime tomorrow and you've got a job. And the Ronnie Mickle came and he was like the youth coach thing and he was the only one that came with him. So obviously the physio at that time at Sheffield Wednesday, a great, great friend of mine, Alan Smith, and uh, he sent word through Glyn Snowden some weeks after that he won't be moving up. I remember the first meeting, he had got all the players in and I think we were about third from bottom in second division. He said, right, I'm virtually the worst manager in this league and until we put it right and we start winning matches and getting us up that league. And then it, uh, then the players, it's home with the players. When, if I said to you that in that first week or second week, we had a training session in the morning, a training session in the afternoon, and then that night time, the same players had to go play against Blackburn at reserves. Right. And then they were back in again next day, training again next day. Does that make your job harder or easier? Are you getting more injuries? Because part of the thing we've had recently with Bielsa is that the theories that they're overtraining and that the, the, all the injuries are due to that. Did you notice any difference? Well, uh, why I disagree about with Bielsa at the moment is that uh, they're saying that now, but them lads at the moment, they've had that training for the last three years. Initially, with Wilkinson, yeah, sure, the bodies want you to that intensity. So them early days, you will get, you know, tight hamstring, this, that, that and that. And... But they soon will learn to adapt. But uh, I disagree a little bit with uh, Bielsa because they've all been training like that for the last three or four years mm. or how long he's been there. Mm. So the bodies, uh, with least players now, have been used to that. So uh, I think the only one the only one I would say is uh, Calvin Phillips, mm-hmm. who, and I had this experience myself with some youth players where they actually, remember when they won the Youth Cup in 93, uh, then some of them players went on to play with it, the Beckhams, and the Robbie Fowlers and all them playing for England, I wonder you were for Cup. So they were actually playing for 12 months solid. And I think that's where it took the toll because they had no rest period during right. that time. And I had that with like the junior players because of them going off because they were so successful. They got in the English squad and everything. And so so I can understand something a little bit maybe with Calvin that, uh, you know, with having to play and him being top man, you know, being voted the best player for England and him virtually not having much rest in the last 12 months. Because obviously they had a fabulous season last year as well, didn't they? At least you say. Mm. So that's that's the only way. But I'm not. Uh, I, I don't go with because you know the, the body been adapted over the, uh, the last few years. Like you know, it, and they've got used to that kind of thing. Yeah, and you, you're always going to get injuries in there, like you know. Mm-hmm. So. so that that promotion season then, eighty nine, ninety is one that sticks in the mind of a lot of Leeds fans over a particular age is like their favourite season ever, even yeah. more so than like the league title. Which I, the- I, I agree fully. Yeah. It was the most stressful season I ever, ever had. More the f- Winning the first division championship, we're always going to be second, up to six days, uh, what, eight days before uh, the end of the season. So, you know, we just like chill out. We're always behind Man United, and it, it, we're, it, all, it always looked like all the time that we we're going to finish second. But that one, the 89-90, we were favourites from day one. And we went to Newcastle, <laughs> Newcastle, and of course, winning two and a half time, then of course Mickey Quinn got four goals and we get beat five two. So you you're on the bus down like, you know, goes back to the Newcastle, you scratch your head a bit at the more at that point. Yeah. Was there a bit of a wake up call then, do you think, <coughs> after that Newcastle defeat? Because I was at that, I mean I was only only a kid at the time, but I yeah. remember thinking, oh <laughs> Yeah, it, it look it, it was, but look, it's your first game of the season. But you know, if, if anybody thought it was going to be an easy season, that was a wake up I think that was a wake up call. It wasn't you know. I mean, it was even it was even pretty grim right through to that Barnsley home game as well towards the end of the season. You know, the midweek game. Do you remember? Oh yeah, oh. When, when we lost. Well, I have. Was it Owen Archdeacon and who's yeah. the other one who scored? Came on a sub two yeah. sub, two sub game on. Yeah, that particular match 
Right. Were you fixing Chris Fairclough's face at one point? That's right. I mean, if we'd have won that night time, that means they would have virtually been up then. And as you said, early on, Chris got uh, got a gash on his head, and I mean a gash. So so it goes in with a doctor. So we're stitching him up, right? Anyway, then Glyn Snowden. Glyn Snowden keeps coming in. Hey, is he fit yet? Can we get him back out yet? Can we get him back out? And I thought, oh, I thought, yeah, 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 yeah. We're, we're there, we're there. And I think, oh, probably will cause going mad. Is he fit? You know, we need, we're down to 10 men. I don't want to put someone, you know, is it, can we get him back on again? So he kept coming back and forward. So by the time we got about seven stitches into it, right, I said to the doc, I said, look, we'll just bandage him up like that. We'll get away with that. You know what I mean? <laughs> right, we'll get away with that. So yeah. we'll get, you know what I mean? So it needed about 10 or 11 stitches in it. So I said, we'll get away with that. Get him back out and then I'm not getting a bollocking off manager. <laughs> so anyway, he goes back out. Next thing is we get a corner and Chris goes, Edda, yeah. <laughs> right? Brave as a lion. Honestly, brave as a lion. How many people would have, some stitches in red and needed about another four or five in it, would have gone there and put the ball in back at net. So anyway, after the game, I said to Snods, because he was so, by the way, what, Gaffer going mad? You know, would he give me a bollocking? Oh, no, he said. No, he said, me and Bobby Davidson had a tenner on him at uh, eight to one <laughs> to score first goal. So we, we won 80 quid and uh, got a tenner back as well. Oh, no, he said, Gaffer never said no. He said, he just, <laughs> it was me. We wanted to get the first goal, so we'd get the money. <laughs> Brilliant. And then going forward a couple of games to Bournemouth, which, yeah. you know, was, was pandemonium in a good way and a bad way. In terms of your role in this, is it true that we pretended Bobby Davison was fit so Carl Shutt didn't get nervous? Because he was on the bench with Shutty, wasn't he? And Davison started with an injury. Yeah, can I just say something? I only found that out, <laughs> honestly, from Bobby Davison, because obviously we still keep regularly in touch. Because as you're reading the book, I first met Bob when they were at Halifax Town. And uh, my first week there, virtually was his first week at Halifax Town. So, and he just finished an apprenticeship as a welder up in Chipperyards. And we signed him from Huddersfield Town. And it were only... I bet a few years after that, when he mentioned that, that him and Wilkinson between them, although when we were doing everything, it didn't seem that bad, mm. right? It didn't seem that bad. But I think it is true. You know, it is true because I got told that after. And I can understand with the manager as well. And I'm first to say that after that season, it took me three months to totally chill out and totally the stress of it, you know, keeping people fit, getting through it all, the stress of it. And remember, I'm not a Leeds United supporter. As such, it's not like as a supporter. Don't get me wrong, eventually, what got pointed out to me that, that it became more or less deeper than being a supporter, being involved with Leeds United. You know, something got under your skin and, and you just became just part of something which was something really, really, really special. Yeah. And you realise that as the years have gone on. So at the time, you know, just keeping everybody going and everything. And I think the manager probably thought, I'll keep it from him. He's under enough, probably, stress and enough pressure without getting him involved with that as well. I wasn't happy at the time because you don't want to be, you know what I mean? But uh, I think my re-election of that, if we went down two days before uh, to Bournemouth, went down on a Thursday. And the funny thing is, uh, a guy I knew at that time took me along to uh, Liverpool the night before. And Liverpool had just won the league, and that was the last time they won the league in 1990. And he took me down, and I'm thinking, oh, wow, wouldn't it be great? You know, I'm watching them pick the trophy. Wouldn't this be great on Saturday night if we're picking the trophy up, like, you know? And then the next day, well, what happened was, that time I lived in our American estate, so all my neighbours were Americans, you know, in Pertley, worked at Men with Phil. And uh, so the manager said, right, before we go, I'm going to have a relaxed day. So what we're going to do, we're going to have a game of, well, rounders baseball. Now, you know all the Americans, find out how we set it all up. So I went round to my mate, Sean uh, Boudreaux, I went round to see him, and 
how do you do it? Believe we're a big Detroit Tigers fan or something like that. So he showed me what to do. So we've got it all set up. So game's going all right. Game's going fine. Until, until Vinnie Jones goes in. And you knew, you knew it just wasn't going to be a simple thing from there. Sure enough, Vinnie, he gets, he gets the first pitch, miss. He gets the second pitch, <laughs> miss. Then on the third pitch, he smashes it. And off he runs. But, you know, Vinnie thinking he's at Yankee Stadium or somewhere like that. As he's setting up, he throws the bat behind him. And it's Andy Williams in cheekbones and breaks uh, fractured, fractured his cheekbones, doesn't it? So here we are going to Bournemouth. Poor old Andy who think he's going to maybe be on the bench. I'm taking him to hospital to get confirmed whether he... And sure enough, I've actually been to hospital to get an operation. Well, I get back, jumped on the coach, went down to Bournemouth. So that was the start of the Bournemouth trip. So, so what did Howard Wilkinson uh, say to that? No, well, no, you know, there's nothing to say, is it? It's just no. one of them things. But Vinny, like I said... If you know, like if you ever see a baseball game, I'd have thrown the bats yeah, behind yeah. And, and run for it, don't they? Exactly like I said, he bought so many. Uh, I, I imagine Vinny was good fun. Oh, different class, buddy. I think we worked out he only he only ever got booked once, yeah, or twice during that time. I remember one of them, a referee who I got to know quite well, a fellow called Ken Redburn from North Shields, and I think we were playing what it Brighton or Gillingham for somebody. And this fella, Vicky tackled this lad. Well, he went down like as if he'd been, he'd been shot, rolling around and everything, trying to get Vinnie booked. And Ken Redfern, he was always against whatever the logic thing was, he'd do the opposite. So he waited and he said, right, son, get up. And he showed him a yellow card. He said, that's, that's for you, trying to send him, getting, getting him sent off. So he yellow card the kid. And it was one of the first times that you ever saw where Vinnie had tackled somebody, they'd gone down, and actually, because he knew, yeah. he knew he had, he'd actually touched him. And, but it was one of them first time, you know, nowadays you see it all your simulation, things like that. Like, yeah. But that was one of the first time I come across that, like, you know, where I got him up and booked him for trying to get Vinny sent off. Oh, he was brilliant. That's, that season, he, uh, he was brilliant, like, you know. Great inspiration for everyone. You know, little things like, after the game, I know it sounds crazy, but it had all, it had all the sprays. You go out and buy all the sprays. Right, like, there's the sprays for going out tonight. Spray yourself, <laughs> buy all the, you know, like little things like that. But don't get me wrong, Gordon, without a shadow of a doubt, Gordon was there. He was a main man in that thing. Even Vinny knows that. As did, well. he, did he set the tone in the dressing room and in the club then? You think? Oh, yeah, without a shadow of a doubt. He was, without a shadow of a doubt, he was the manager on the on the pitch. And the uh, the manager, I was looking through, very, very clever because he would never go in the dressing room where he's going to get into one or two people without the captain knowing what was happening. You know, if Gordon were the captain, which we won most of the time, you know, he knew exactly what was going to be happening. Right. So there was no conflict or he got the back of them. So all that got sorted out, I think you'll find before before then, like, you know. Oh, that's really interesting. Yeah. So so after the win at Bournemouth, um, it was absolutely <sighs> scorching that bank holiday weekend, oh. wasn't it? I mean, I know you said it took three months to kind of wind down after, for, after that yeah but that evening you must have felt such a sense of relief and elation I mean how, how did you spend that evening can oh, you yeah coming coming four hours on a bus getting rat ass <laughs> <laughs> what, what was it like on that bus then what just oh, it, well, well first of all when we got to the ground as it was me, me and Sean had gone up before and Sean had gone up before and put all the kit out Sean was the, is he a kit manager he was a kit manager yep. right and when we went back again well you know it was pandemonium you couldn't get the coach round to the dressing room. No. So the coach had to stop and everybody had to walk across the pitch to get into the dressing room. If you were down there, as you're aware, yeah. they're all hanging off the floodlights, everything. It the scaffolding behind the yeah, goal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. everything. Yeah. You know what I mean? Wherever all the space everybody can hang from, they were hanging from. But what I do remember was, obviously when Chappie got the goal, but like just before that, I think uh, uh, Bond, Kevin Bond, I think he, he cheated his knee and hit the post and came out. He thought, oh, is it going to be one of them days? 
But also, David Batter, who was up that day, kept running up. This is by half time. Kept running up, coming back. Oh, Sheffield United are winning 4 2. I'm going, Bat, after what had happened against Leicester, Bat, will you shut up? I don't want to know. I don't want to know. That's when Vinny told everybody that um, Newcastle yeah. hadn't won, so we'd gone up. Yeah. We'd gone up. Yeah, but yeah, we and, 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 no, we haven't. And then after all that, I'm saying, Bat, I don't want to know. Shut up. Yeah. Shut up. And then, uh, and then you found out afterwards. What you found? I'll get hell. Our Leicester played last week against us. How are they getting, you know, beat, uh, you know, 4 4 1 or something like that? Then you found out afterwards. Is it Martin Nod, you've saved everything the week before? Kitchen sink and everything. I've been carried off after about about five minutes. That's the Leicester keeper, isn't it? And yeah, that's yeah, the yeah. Leicester keeper at that time, which, yeah. which obviously eventually came onto the staff at Leeds United, like, you know, mm-hmm. did uh, Martin. And then on the other hand, the other team what could have gone up that day were Newcastle United. Well, they're playing at Middlesbrough. And of course, word got back, Ian Baird had gone to Middlesbrough. And word had got back from Bairdy that Bairdy had been sorting everybody out. Because if we won championship, he got a championship medal. Yeah. So I think Bairdy had told everybody in the dressing room, <laughs> right, if they win that championship, if I don't get my medal because we let Newcastle beat us, he said, I'll be chinning everybody today. <laughs> so that was a good night then on that bus, I can imagine it yeah, was. Yeah, uh... I always remember, uh, we got on the course, the manager went with us, I think he'd gone back with some friends from Bournemouth, he'd gone back with some friends, and, uh, and we were on the bus, and it was all champagne, and... Uh, Gordon came and see uh, Bill Fobberby. said, oh, Mr. Fobberby, said, not all the lads are into champagne. Can we stop and get some beers? So we stopped at this uh, Winchester on his way back out. And we, we stopped at this uh, off-license shop. So we walked in. I think it was me, Benny, I think it was Sean Hardy, actually. We walked in and we just cleaned him out of every can of beer, every <laughs> can of blaga, everything he had, just little shoulder. He said, what about my regular customer? He said, here, there's the money. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> go to go buy some from somebody else. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> and then we're on there, and then it was just like. But as you said, the relief, the relief. Isn't it amazing? I remember saying to Lee Chapman, "You know that goal? What you've scored today is worth five million. You know, five million. When you're talking now mm-hmm. about hundred whatever it is, fifty yeah. million, whatever it is, like crazy, isn't it? And it was. He said, "That's that's worth five million. Is that win today?" The record. I remember when we, when we won <laughs> Division One, we got a check for hundred grand, didn't we? That was the prize money from uh, from Barclays. Mm-hmm. Is that what it was? It yeah. was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Life is full of awesome what-ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host.
Um, just, I'm chappy, actually. I mean, just fast forward into the next season when we got down to business and, and a brilliant first season back up. One of the things that stuck in our mind was we've been going back and looking at things 30 years ago was when Chappie did his face. Um, that were in the... At, that at Spurs. Were, yeah, Spurs, yeah. So that was 1990, 1991, it, it was, wasn't it? It was. And you were first on scene and yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I was, it was horrific. I mean, for, for the benefit of anybody who doesn't, doesn't know, <laughs> he basically got... Uh, took a kick to the face, didn't he? Which knocked him out and he slid. Was, uh, Steve Slesley. Yeah. As he's like Mike, Mike Tuxlane, he's like trying to protect and Steve Slesley came round with his foot and unfortunately caught him underneath the, underneath the chin and it just like... It just, it knocked like, him out and he slid on his face without putting his did. hands out, didn't he? He yeah. did. So, he did. He, just totally, he was just totally out and boom. It was and, a, and it wasn't a soft bit of AstroTurf that no. you get around no, the edge no, of the no, pitch No, it was shale. It was shale. And, yeah. that, and believe it or not, uh, it was all shale in them days. And understand this, in them days, there were no paramedics, nothing. You know, like nowadays, you, yeah, you, yeah. Get, the, you get everybody on, give me hand. The great thing about John Shudder and, and uh, Butler, they came on and give me hand. And at the time, he was struggling breathing. So what we did, we just tilted his head back, like you would do when you, when you think, because you think, oh, airway, his airway. Yeah, as, he, as his tongue, as his tongue, you know, dropped back, blocking his thing. And it wasn't, it, his, his mouth was full of shale. And when we that all year we like, zoom, you know what I mean? As if it all, and then all of a sudden it were okay, right? You know, from that point of view. And then gradually, as you said, we we got him up and we managed to, and he's like, "Oh, right, get me up, I'm fine, I'm, you know, I'm, he'd come around." But that was the first thing. And then, of course, as you know, uh, he'd done all his nose and his face and everything, like you know, at the time. So when you got there, what when you saw his face, what did you think? I mean, is there a point where you go, "Fucking yeah, hell"? Yeah, I know, <laughs> I know, I don't know. I mean, this happened after seventy seconds or something like that in the game. The only good thing. And our favour was, it were right outside the dugout. If it had been at the other side of the pitch, then it could have been a different ball game. Mm. With that, you know what I mean? Because you know we'd have to get across there. Then I might have been shouting for them, you know, to just come and give his hand or whatever, like you know. But it right outside the dugout. So you, you just got sat down. You hadn't even got time to think about anything. Yeah, yeah. You just got sat down, and then you had to react. And because I always like to think before game, I used to prepare myself mentally, go through different things what might happen that day. A bit like a footballer getting warmed up, getting his feet going right. I'm playing against this guy today, he might do this or do that. And I and I, I felt uh, I had to do the same. Go for every maybe injury, what I might get uh, get that day. And how mentally I'd be reacting. So, I, you know, so, but that day, funny enough, it was, it was just a weird day, really. And, uh, and it all happened so quick. And he ended up having plastic surgery, didn't he, to recon- he did. reconstruct Which, his face? Uh, he went to hospital. We took him from hospital and, and I took him straight up to Bulford Hospital in the team coach, got back to the thing, dropped everybody off. Because you brought the Brighton brought, brought back, didn't you, like there was an initial... Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. We, yeah because I did that a lot of times, actually. Uh, I remember with Mark Tinkler at uh, Tottenham, uh, sorry, at uh, Old Trafford, when he fractured his ankle. Uh, I took him straight from non-weight bed, and took him straight on the team coach, took him straight to Bulford Hospital, Mr Lawton, the orthopedic the surgeon, were there waiting for us. And Chappie was him. I think I missed a bachelor, somebody over the, day, over the uh, surgeon at the time. But we took him straight, to, took him on the team coach, straight up to Bulford Hospital and put him in there, and then they got him sorted out next day. So, I, mean, so I, I guess the atmosphere on the coach as well for that is, is different when you've got a player who's suffering like that. Yeah, look, it's... Uh, it won't, well, I, I'm, I can't remember what score was that day. For some was reason. it a draw, I think? Was it a draw, mm. wasn't it? It's 2nd of February 1991. It was 0-0, that Spurs nil, game. 0-0. Nil, nil, yeah. And then a year on, you're trying to get him through uh, the title running with a broken uh, a broken yeah, wrist as well. I know, I know, I know, in, uh, I know... <laughs> <laughs> Someone reminded me the other day, I was at Nesbury Football Club, you know, doing a couple of, and uh, one of the lads, a friend of mine, Ian Pickle, just something to say. I said, I still remember what Chappie said about when, when he fractured his wrist and you had to go on to, to treat him and you put cold water on. <laughs> and I said, yeah. I said, because at the time I said he was squealing like a pig and I was just trying to do something. 
cold water or cold mat, just initially. The take, magic, it's the magic sponge. I did like magic sponge, yeah. But the main thing was, was to get him off. The surgeon were there. They took him straight to hospital. And by midnight, they'd operated, you know, everything had been done. And that's how, that's how it had to be at least. Everything went boom, 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 boom. And I learned that early doors with, with our Wilkins and McKennigan. They said, hey, everything has to be done there. You know, if a player's injured or does he need a scan, does he need... Although scans were only just coming in in them days, you know, MRIs and things like that were only just coming in. People people forget that. They think it has been there forever. Yeah. But we were only the early 90s when uh, when scans, you know, MRI scans were really coming in. Bef- still before the- that, presumably, it's just an X-ray. <laughs> it was just yeah. an X-ray, yeah. yeah and, and then clinically how you, you, you did them yourself, like, you know. Yeah. So that's where the information was. So during that season, was the pressure to get Chappie back? Because he was like the talisman, he was the goal scorer, wasn't he? And Calvary yeah. Cantona uh, came in as well. Yeah. In fact, we actually got him back. He only missed four games, I think, that season. So we actually did well. And then we got a brace on him, you know, to, to be able to play a bit earlier. But also, another one, another player, to be, be fair with Lee, he was another, like, brave as a lion. He was on about the facial injury. People forget he played in the League Cup final the following, Saturday, following Sunday mm. after that. Now, he said after the game he shouldn't have played. But League Cup, it was semi-final, wasn't it, League Cup, against Man United, was against it? Against Man yeah, United, yeah, yeah. Old Trafford. Yeah, we got beat 2-1. Yeah. But, you know, but it, it is what it is. You know, you're going for titles, you're trying to win cups. Is there a certain amount of we, we in it at that point? You just think, well, we'll see how he gets on. And Because these days it seems to be caution first, particularly <coughs> around like head in, any oh, sort yeah, of head injuries. Yeah, I, I, I agree. You know, yeah. it, it's got to be. It's got to be with what's all, what's all really happened over the years. Like, you know, yeah, it's got to be. One of, one of the things we found in looking into the, the title winning season, 91-92, was just how cool Howard Wilkinson was during that season because we, we've gone back and watched it <coughs> game by game and done the match ball 30 and I think even 30 years on we felt terrified by, by the experience and it, it sort of echoed down the years all the anxiety we feel as Leeds fans now it was all there 30 years ago in that, that title running but yeah Howard Wilkinson he was always just saying it's like well we'll just go lots out there. of games to go yeah we've sort of set out our points total we know that if we get two points per game we'll be there or thereabouts yep, and let's yep, just work yeah I mean was he that cool behind closed yeah, doors well, everything we're done like basically in six matches you look at every six match and they say, right, can we get so many points out of these six matches? Look at who we're playing against. What's realistic? And I think we used to do it in blocks of six matches at what points we were capable of getting during that time. But going back, you're not about being cool. Going back to that night before Bournemouth or going down on the Thursday. Now, that Thursday night, it took everybody out, went to an Italian. If you wanted a drink, wine, anything, you know, within reason. That's why I normally wouldn't go down until the day before. But in this case, it took them down two days earlier. And uh, we had uh, an Italian glass of wine. I ended up on the table with Gordon Strachan, Mervyn Day, Bobby Davidson and Jim Begley. And of course, I made me that great uh, speech I do. Well, lads, you know what the reason in England, don't you? You've got Yorkshire first and England second. So, all these <laughs> so then I got absolutely battered, you know. <laughs> so I kind of like, you know. Yeah, I remember doing that and so that, you know, I must say I had bread for on at me or whatever. But, you know, but, you know, what a great table to be on, like, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think the other great thing, or you know, people forget, the great thing about what Howard Wilkinson did, you look at every player in that team, they'd all played in top division and they'd all been winners. Nearly everyone had won some at Mervyn Day, won the FA Cup, Vinnie had won the FA Cup. Jim Beglin eventually ended the season when he played. He'd done the double with Liverpool, played at European. Gordon Strachan, and people forget, he played two World Olympic sides as well as two World Cups. Chappie had played up there, and even Shutty, you know, because I knew how to use Shutty, you see. Even he played at Sheffield Wednesday in top division for yeah. everybody. And the only two were on were two young lads coming in, David Batty and Gary Speed. And, well, 
I don't need to say much about them. Or what. They were all right, weren't they? <laughs> they, they just played without fear. They <laughs> yeah. just, you know, like kids do, they played without fear. Yeah. And when you've got people like Gordon and O'Lem and, and everybody, Mel Sterling, you know, on the other side, Zico, you know what I mean? Mm. And they had Chris Fairclough, and obviously have been at Police and Tottenham, and Peter Haddock, who played at Newcastle yeah. in that particular year. You know what were... It was very experienced, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah that's what yeah. I'm saying. People forget, you see. And that's where you'll give Bielsa the, 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 the credit, because... He made more or less championship players and first division players into Premier League players. Mm. You know, that's where I think his forty it was. Yeah. Uh, as far as I'm aware, you know, just chatting with one or two people like, you know. So so was it all cool then in that, that title running? Because we, we all suffered and I remember even going back to the days of <coughs> pandemonium, like that Sheffield United game was it was chaos. It was just for some, for some reason. It's insane. There, there were two turning points, I think. For two so we had a we had a period, I think, around about February, where we couldn't win a game. Right. And I think it all got to a point where we played Port Vale at home and we drew nil nil, and then we had to go to Oxford on the Saturday. But for some reason during that time, we managed to keep on top of the league, even though it was goal difference from uh, uh, you know from Sheffield United mainly at that time. And then Newcastle came into the frame, you know, for, uh, yeah. at the end of the season. But the, I think the changing point then was we went to Oxford and we two nil down at half time. Came out in the second now, we got one, we got two. And I think Chrissy Fairclough's got the third to go three to up. I remember that. I remember Wilkinson jumping out of the thing and catching me on my bleeding excuse me. <laughs> you can swear, swear all you like, don't worry. Uh, catching me, <laughs> you know, thing like because the excitement, you know. Yeah, yeah. And then we won four two. Was it five two? No, four two. The four two that three previous. <clears throat> I'll trust your memory. Yeah, yeah. You, the, the, the way you're remembering names of everyone is ridiculous. I, know, I was going to say. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the reason why it was four two, and you're right, it should have been five two. Right. Was it the chappy penalty, wasn't it? That's what I'm thinking about. Yeah, because he should have got his hat trick and didn't. This yes. is well. Then it all kicked. It, well, on about what happened was we got a penalty. Chappy needed it, and I think it were all to do with Chappy on so much a goal or so much for twenty. <laughs> I think this, anyway. Gordon Strachan always took the penalties. Chappy grabbed the ball, put it on, and put it over the bar. On about statements, we still won four two after being two 0 down. I've right? checked and it is four two. Yeah, yeah, Chapman two, Verardi and Fairclough. Yeah, yeah so. well, he, he needed that. I'll show. He needed that. So anyway, we've gone into uh, got into the dressing room. Well, then the manager went mad with Chapman. Said you. He said you realise that penalty miss that might cost us the title, and it could go to goal difference right at the end of the season. And of course, as we know, we did win it on goal difference from Sheffield United. Talking about what it February or something like that or. Oh, yeah, you're right as well. It was Port Vale was the game before as well. It was nil nil seventh seventh of March, nineteen ninety. Port March. Vale nil nil. Yeah. Then we went to Oxford, and then we beat West Ham, Sunderland, and Portsmouth straight that's, after it. Yeah, yeah. That, that's when we went back on that runner. Yeah. But the point was, it was into Chapman because I'd agreed to probably fix it at the time and trying to get his hat trick. You know what I mean? But because Chappie was, he wanted to score more goals than his dad. His dad had scored right. over two hundred goals. I think it was Sammy Chapman somewhere like, scored over two hundred goals. And so he went mad. He said, "You know that could cost us the title at the end of the season." If it goes to goal difference. And we won it by seven goals. I'm just looking at the table And we now. won it by seven goals. Wow. And you see people, you know, like Henry Matt Steele was a great, great friend of mine, first team physio now at Leeds. And he said to me when, when Leeds were, you know, this last time when they won second, you know, championship, he said, I used to get up at, I used to get up at half past five in the morning and go for a run. The pressure of it all had really got to me. I said, well, Henry, what do you think it was like for me? We won it on goal difference. You won it with 10 points to score. <laughs> 10 points to spare in the end. We won it on goal difference. Where the big change was, do you know, do you know we, we actually won it on goal difference? There were two matches that were involved Sheffield United. Yeah, it was where, the 4-0, wasn't there, yeah. 4-0, which were an 8 mile, eight nil turnover. Yeah. And also, they went to West Ham and got beat 5-0 in uh, Sheffield United. 
And that were real. Because if you think of that last day, day one, five, two, yeah. Leicester they did. But that's how much the manager worked it all out. And it could go down to goal difference. Did you think he genuinely knew, like in that 1992 season, <clears throat> that even like, because we've just, you know, done the, the Man City game. That was this week. 30, oh, when we got 30, beat 4-0. 4-0, and it, and it looked like it was over. I remember reading about Brian Kidd. I spoke to Brian since then, like, you know, about him being at game and he must have gone out and thought, well, that's it. They've just got beat 4-0 at Man City. It's hard to up for uh, taking a like, you know what I mean? Because they'd already won the League Cup that year anyway at uh, yeah. Man United. So they thought they were on a double anyway. All he, all he ever did, all he ever did was just play like that. The results will take care of themselves. We can't do influence anything what's happening anywhere else. I think it all started that Liverpool game when we drew nil nil, and but they went to they whether they could have been another two points ahead, they went to Luton and ended up two apiece. And and when I spoke to Chris Kamara when I was doing this book, I said, by the way, you don't realise what a, what a, a big impact you had on Leeds winning the championship that year because you were at Luton. I think they got relegated that year, did Luton along mm. with West Ham. I said, you got a you know you got a point now, man. You've just had a battle time for us. And then as you know, they went and played. Forest on the Monday, and then they played West Ham. So at the end, you're getting one point out of possible nine at that point. Yeah. And then, of course, they lost again at Liverpool. So actually, they got one point out of 12. Yeah. They, colla- they collapsed at the end, didn't they? Yeah. But we still won it. They didn't, they didn't yeah, throw no, it away. Yeah, no, no, I think oh, Despite what Ferguson said. Yeah, I think that's proved anywhere, because I think we showed more goals than them that season, mm. from what someone said. Someone said, I think we scored more goals. So, so, so talk us through that day then, 26th of April, 1992. Yeah. We go to Sheffield United, yeah. uh, the lunchtime Kickoff, yeah, and I said it was it was just the, one of the funniest, strangest, yeah, maddest games. I, I, I agree, I agree. I've, I've ever and seen. It was a really windy day because I remember paper blowing all over the place, like you know. And so, so tell us about that day from your point of view. <laughs> from my point of view, I remember, I remember again doing what I normally do. I think I, I had a bit of a bath before lunch or something. I've got it all this time, wasn't <laughs> yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm going through all what might am that day. And I remember obviously uh, early doors, but Alan Cork who scored for him. Uh, he got a goal. Now, before the game, and people people won't realise it, but Gord Strachan were less than 50-50 that he was going to play that day because he did have a problem and he was really struggling. Because he'd sat out the Liverpool game, hadn't he? Sorry to interrupt, I was going to say he missed the Liverpool game because we played on the 18th of April, which was Easter Saturday, and yeah. then we played Coventry on Easter Monday, Monday so two 20, days yeah, apart. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and Strachan didn't play at Liverpool. No, I can't, well... Because he had ongoing back problems, didn't he, like, at that time? Well, yeah. Like, only thing I, I comment on that is... Let it be left, it's an ongoing back problem, but I'll just leave it at that. What I've done with the book, I've never spoken about anything about injuries with anybody because of data protection, one thing or another, yeah, yeah. this thing from there. Let's just say he had a problem, yeah. right? And then eventually had to have an operation. Yeah, as I said, I wasn't sure what team was that day, but obviously the guy who came in regular, who got a lot of vital goals for it, was Steve Hodge. You know, people get about, how oh, do you like, you know, his contribution, some of the goals he scored for us, mm. you know, during that say, and then, as you said, that day, yeah, he decided he was going to play. And just one magic moment, just one magic moment, that's all it needed for him to be on the pitch. And it was just before half-time when we got a free kick. And before anybody could think about it, he took a quick free kick into the penalty area. Now, we're only somebody who's got a sharp brain like Gordon would even think, you know, you know, somebody would be like, put it down, right, we all set up for this, but he didn't. He put it down and played at the same time. He played at the same time. Mm. And instead of, and then, as you know, it was ping-ponging around until I think it was Rod Wallace who stuck it in. The other thing, obviously, what happened was, which we weren't aware about, Mel Rees, their goalkeeper, he got an injury, which obviously he was struggling second half. 
Uh, but obviously they carried on playing him like you know. Yeah, because they, they didn't have a sub keeper, did they? No, no, they used the sub or whatever. And you know what was on about? You know the sad thing with Melbourne. Obviously lost his life some years after that. Yeah, you know, from cancer and that sort of really. And so really, and as you know, second half the ball came over. Gary McAllister free kick, I think it won. Youth were at far post and headed in. So that's two one. And then of course it was all in our area. John Pemberton who eventually came to play for us. <laughs> Yep. He smacked it, he chapped it between the legs and went in, so that's yep. two apiece. And then, of course, as we know, that Gordon had to go off at half time, you know. But for me, that what he did, just worth having him on that first half. Because I always say in football, one of the hardest things is, is getting your first goal. If you get one goal, you're all liable to get two or three goals. And a uh, number of times that teams, it posts and things, can never get the ball over that line. And then, of course, as we know, the back pass from... Uh, or but Gale, he bounced it up and edges it back, thinking going back to the keeper. When what happened in the dugout at that point? It's the strangest goal that basically won us the championship. And what's so what, what's going on in the dugout then? Was there any laughter, or was it just down to business? Or no, I think it's just relief as much as anything. We've actually got a third goal, and it, but it won. I've looked at it a few times. It comes to him, flicks it up, knee. flicks it up, yeah. knee up, head, flick back. Unfortunately, Mal uh, Mel uh, Reeshaw there behind him. It just sailed over him into the net. So. As you said, one of them, you can look at it loads and loads of times and it was just a bizarre... I always said that we probably used up just about every look we had that day <laughs> yeah. and that's why we never won an away game following season. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, probably, yeah. So so when you got... Because I think there was a sense then everybody knew, sort of deep down, there was a real growing sense that day when that final whistle went. Because I, mean, I was there, I was in the away end and I, I was, funnily enough, I was right down at the very, very front so I was kind of below pitch level, so my eyes yeah. were grass level. Yeah. So I saw close up the goals that happened yeah. in front of the away end. Yeah. I remember that there was just a real sense that we'd, we'd probably done it that day. And driving back up the M1, it was about an hour back up the M1. Yeah. It was like a, it was like a big party convoy, <laughs> and like people were playing marching on together in the cars with the windows down, and everyone was beeping their horns, yeah. you know, like that. And the other people go. I remember me and Mick like hugging each other. And I went to the manager, oh, and it's just more or less, you know, this one him still being his professional. So, uh, we haven't done that yet. We haven't, we haven't done that yeah, yet. Yeah. Like, you know, all right, all right. You know what I mean? So, <laughs> so but me and Mick, you know, me and, as you said, me and Mick, and uh, we just like, but it was a win to go there and win. The main thing was, at that point, we're four points ahead of Man United, right? We're four points ahead. So that means to say, even though we didn't know whether we'd win it that day, it was in our hands to win it the following. That that was the main thing, I think. Mm-hmm. Without getting too large and say, oh, we'll win it today because Man United have to go Liverpool, at least it was in our hands. Finally, because they had the games in hand that's all right, the way through. That's right. Yeah. So at least yeah. it was in our hands to win it the following week against Norwich, right? That I think that was the thing, like, you know, more than anything. You know, regardless of what Man United did, they either did win at Liverpool, but at least it was still in our hands to win it. Yeah. And then, of course, as you know, uh, it was Fergie before that, now they're ahead. Have they, you know, uh, have they got the nerve to keep it to go on and win the win the what they call it like you know? And so uh, again, it just shows you when it's your day. Ian Rush scored his first ever goal against Liverpool against Man United that yeah, day for yeah, Liverpool. Yeah. You know, little things like that, little quirks like that. Like Rush had never scored against Man United before, and then he scores early on, and and that like. So obviously, we're all having bits of drinks and one thing another on uh, on the thing. And I had, again, I had to ring my nephew up, come and pick me up because I won't be able to drive. <laughs> like I did at Bournemouth. And, uh, you know, Philip and that like. And so, uh, yeah, and then, of course, we, as it turned out, I'm nearly half falling asleep. I went to my sister's house just to sober up and, uh, uh, in Bradford and uh, we get to Putsy Roundabout, you know, to just above Dawson Corner there. Yeah, yeah. And we're just going round there and they scored the second goal. Right. With about three minutes to go, two minutes to go. 
And my nephew. So you were in, a, in the car when it happened? Basically. Yeah, I was in the car. And my nephew said, Uncle Alan. I said, What? He said, I think you've just won championship. He <laughs> said, uh, Well, at Walters, who will just go for uh, Liverpool. He said, I think you've just won championship. And he's got a second of Liverpool. I've done. I've done. You know what I mean? And, so, and then every time I got to my sister, the game were all over and uh, we won the championship. I think the only sad thing was, it'd have been nice if we'd win at home. And then we're all in the dressing room together and all yeah. being able to sell it. Everybody just went and did that. I mean, a lot of them went to flying pizza and things like that. And I always remember uh, we got in, obviously, me and Mick seen each other on the Monday. And we cut, obviously, a Sunday game and we're like, yes, we've done it, pal. You know what I mean? And, and I don't know about the manager. I don't know where, I don't know who became it. But <laughs> I always remember on the Tuesday night, on the Tuesday, we went to Liverpool, reserves, right, to play at reserves. So the, the manager pulled me and said, here, I want you. Here, make sure that Ronnie... Running my down and Roy Evans gets these and they give me two cases of uh, champagne for them. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that. I said, Ronnie, yeah, Gaffer sent you these. And he said, uh, two, two, uh, two cases of champagne. He said, just say a thank you for what they did for us on Sunday. When did the squad all get back together then after? Because as you said, everyone was kind of split up for the actual crowning yeah, of it, I, apart, from the, apart from the few that were on the sofa together. Yeah, I think they might have been in on the, on the Tuesday or somewhere. Because obviously, we've still got a game to play, haven't we? Mm. On the Saturday, I think it was just back to normal. And, and obviously, by that time, Everybody's uh, chilled out and everybody's really... Has Wilco allowed a bit more of the Sheridan lifestyle to kick in that week or is it still... No, I think I think life, look, as far as you were concerned, let's just get the season finished, you know, let's just get uh, get it all done. Let's go out on a high, you know, win. And as you know, Rob Wallace scored early on against Norwich and then it was just a matter of... Uh, getting like it, it was a carnival that day, wasn't yeah. it? It was just, it, the, the football was almost a distraction. Yeah, it is, for me personally, it was also me, uh, it was May the 2nd, it was also my sister's birthday and it's also... It was also the only time my mum ever went to a football match to watch where I was involved with. <laughs> and obviously we were getting photographs taken on the pitch with a trophy and things like that. And that one, unfortunately, a couple of years after that, unfortunately, passed away, like, you know. Mm. But uh, so really, I was pleased then. I think uh, I got tickets for my mum, my sister, and my, uh, my, my nephew, uh, my brother-in-law stayed at home to look after my nephew's girl, Susanna, and then uh, my nephew and his wife, Wendy, who she wrote all the book for us, like, you know. And that uh, they were they were all there to enjoy, you know, celebrate with us. Like, Did you all manage to have like a collective celebration in the club then after the Norwich game? Yeah, yeah. I think there's a, a picture in there. Well, actually, uh, Andrew Varley found a picture that never got printed, and it's in there. And we're in the dressing room afterwards. And John Newsom's then we've got the trophy on the on the table. You know what you you always always have this big table in the middle of the yeah, treatment yeah. room. You know, with these solid legs, like you know, <laughs> which obviously ties in with the story in, in Oxford. Uh, back in uh, 1989 season, you'll have to read about that one. That involves okay. Howard Wilkinson about <laughs> a table in Oxford, right? And uh, and that like, but uh, yeah, yeah, and it, yeah. It, look, we all just had photographs taken with a cup, you know, with trophy and everything. And yeah, it was just great, you know. I had it taken with my son, and 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 and, that. and then next day, of course, which is on back of there, we all had the parade round. We're all at the town hall. And like they're all what were about hundred and fifty thousand yeah, yeah. in, in square, you know. Yeah. And they're all. I mean, I remember seeing some Norwegian lads, you know. What I mean, I got to know a little bit, and they were there. And and then afterwards, which I've got on back in the book, is uh, a picture of me and the family on the pitch with a trophy and everything. And everybody had them done, you know. But they're great, and it's great memories, like you know. And that's when it was the first division trophy. Yeah. What the great Liverpool's and everybody had won, like you know. Well, there you go. Then we'll break off there at the end of part one of speaking to Alan Sutton. Good chatting it. Very good, and lots more to come. <laughs> Plenty more to come. Yeah, we have part two on the way for you um, in due course, so look out for that in your feed. And TSB Plus members, look out for extra bonus stuff from Sutty as well. Another half hour coming your way 
on your feed as well. So stick about part two coming. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no brainer. Use the stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.